Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the news meeting. Three journalists are going to pitch their top story of the week to me and together we're going to try and make sense of what the story is, why it matters and which one should lead the news. I'm James Harding, I'm the editor of Tortoise and at the end my job is to decide what the running order should be. From Tortoise, welcome to the news meeting. Joining me today to pitch their stories are Tortoise editors Keith Blackmore. Great to see you, Keith. Liz Mosley. Hello. Hello, Liz. And Mark Slandrew. Hello. Greetings. Before we hear from each of you what you think mattered most this week, let's just give ourselves a quick reminder of what's happened in the past seven days. Biden returned from the G7 in Japan intent on the sit-down with McCarthy, hoping to strike a deal and to avoid what some fear could be economic catastrophe if talks fail. The Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, has insisted she did nothing untoward in her handling of a speeding offence. At no time did I seek to avoid the sanction. The Queen of Rock and Roll, Tina Turner, has died at the age of 83. New figures show that net migration reached record levels last year, with 606,000 people added to the UK population. The Conservatives have no plan and no grip on immigration. All right, let's see what each of us thinks mattered most in the last week. Keith, what's your story? The Highland Bouncy Castle problem. <laughs> <laughs> A famous problem, Mark. Better than all the rest. Oh, oh that's unfair, isn't it? Liz. <laughs> the measure of misogyny. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Is that one of Tina Turner's? <laughs> <laughs> it's her early work. <laughs> okay. Uh, Keith, why don't you go first? What, what do you say the Highland Bouncy Castle problem? The Highland problem? Bouncy Castle problem. Okay. It's the best story of the week by far, which is the story of, Highland, of the Highland Council, which banned the use of bouncy castles at 200 <laughs> no. schools, pending uh, exhaustive uh, risk assessments. After two days of scorn, they bounced their way back to overturning their own ban. So hold on, they banned them, and then two days later they said... They, they withdrew the ban, or as they called it, uh, they called the ban a foreseeable pause. <laughs> Sounds like something a dog But someone right? hurt themselves, would there have there been an injury? No, no, they just decided that their the, the risk assessments needed to be carried out on bouncy castles. Which is very funny, actually, until you think about it. You know, nobody wants to stop children going on bouncy castles and having fun, but on the other hand, nobody wants to have them injured or worse... By defective equipment. Um, and my point is that we need regulation, but we don't like it. Uh, which brings me to the, to the most important story of the week, I think, which is the police. Um, just to recap, uh, on Monday night, two boys aged 16 and 15 riding an e-bike were killed in Ely in Cardiff. Some say they were being chased by a police van, but the South Wales police, perhaps ill-advisedly, 
to say not. Mm-hmm. Either way, the fatal accident was followed by rioting, during which cars were set on fire, property was smashed, and 15 police officers were injured. 11 of them had to go to hospital. And I think this story is important for lots of reasons. The accumulation of bad news stories about the police now is getting almost ridiculous. Uh, I noticed that the Scottish, um, the chief constable in Scotland has said that his force is uh, discriminatory in pretty much every way they Mm. could be. We've had this week the death of a woman from a police outrider who was hit by Mm. a police outrider in London. We've had... Um, stories all the time, and the Met is a constant stream of depressing and often really very serious problems. And I think that the accumulation of bad news stories about the police is leading to an attitude to them, which is actually no good to anyone. But so I'm, I'm, I'm being dozy. There's an interventionist regulation story, which is local council oh, sorry, and bouncy councils. I'm just, I'm just trying to make it more interesting than it is. It, what's, the, what's the link between that and the police? The police are having to do a job, and I think the difficulty we're having is accepting that they have to do a job. And I think what's happened is that so much bad news has flowed about the police, whether it be the really, really terrible stuff that came out of the Met recently, mm. or just trivial stuff, or you know, awful stories from afar, like the the um, Australian, the ninety-five-year-old Australian woman who was tasered to death by a police well, officer. officer yes. it's, it's created an attitude towards the police, which is actually destructive. It's destructive not only for them and their reputation, but also f- for us. Without a, without a practice, without a good, effective police force, we're in trouble. And I think we're beginning to overlook now the good things police do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and we just concentrate on the bad stories. And if you notice that the media reaction to this really terrible incident in in Cardiff. Uh, you can see the police are panicked into responding prematurely and not sensibly about what has happened. We don't know what happened, and that should be their position. They need to sort it all out. Liz, what do you think? I still can't join the bouncy castles with the police. I think it's the sapping of confidence in authority. Um, I mean, Keith is is right, of course. Uh, The police are in a a mess, and we need to believe the police... In, in the police, we need to believe that they are there to keep us safe, that they have our best interests at heart, that they will do the things that they're there to do. I'm not sure what the news line is in this story. It feels to me with we've had two, three, ten years of revelation, certainly about the Met, but about other forces as well. Greater Manchester, Cheshire, Northamptonshire. I'm just remembering all of the sort of times. And uh, to my mind, there's no clear solution. If that's what the story is to say, we need to change the inflection of the way we evaluate in the media, perhaps, what the police are doing, then I see that. But I don't know that that's a story. I think it's a challenge. And do you think, Keith, if you put the Highland bouncy castle piece of this aside, and I know, and I, I do understand the point, which is we've lost our confidence in authority figures and government and the police are on the front line of that. But if you just focus in on the Ely estate and the Cardiff story... Is that, in your mind, a story about police authority or is it about simmering fury in communities in the UK? I think the former, actually, but oh, probably really? both. Right. And as I understand it, there is simmering um, disapproval of the police in, in Ely, um, which is a tough area. But my point really is that we, we've got to a point now where everything that happens like this 
is further evidence. We start, yeah, we start saying, oh, it's the police again, you know, they've done this wrong. And I do think they've made some mistakes already in this case. The, the, the police commissioner, the South Wales police commissioner, came out far too soon to start talking about whether there'd been a chase or, or not. not. And didn't and, have the evidence. And uh, Yeah, uh, he should just have taken his time. But we all, if you, there's a, there was a press conference yesterday, I think, where you could see that the police officer who was trying to give an update on the situation after following the riot was simply overwhelmed by questions about, you know, why didn't you tell us this early? What's going on? And, and it, you, you just feel that it's getting to a point where the, the police are finding it very difficult to function. Mark, what do you think? So I, the press conference was really awkward. Uh, Rachel Bacon, I think, was the name of the officer. And she she gave a blow-by-blow blow account, minute-by-minute, minute, and was saying this was seen on CCTV. We've tracked this from GPS tracking. And it's effectively, she was delivering a watertight alibi for the officers who were, everyone had thought had been involved in this chase. And again the people as you say the people in the room they weren't really kind of there to hear that they and if you look on social media they, people just don't believe it people are still looking for conspiracy theories oh what about uh, 602 or what happened you know when it went past that road and but, but you see i found the coverage of this really frustrating this week but, but for a different reason not in terms of our understanding of the police and public confidence in the police i don't understand ely i don't understand what what's going on in that community that triggers that level of violence and i definitely got lots of questions uh, i've got questions about what happened to the two boys certainly but it felt as though all the coverage was is what you said true is the police behaving responsibly and it was all process and not underlying fact and i don't know there was, there, what do you think? Oh, sorry. I say there was a councillor a local councillor on talking last night and ely is an area of cardiff that has Problems, you know, it's regarded as one of those areas where things happen and where tensions run quite high. And you see, I'm petty... interested to know about that. I'm interested to know what yeah. that actually means. I mean, Liz, what did you think? Is uh, similarly because I don't, I don't know. Is Ely Mossside? Is it Headingley? Like, what, what, yeah. what? Where are the other Elys? Is, yes. is it, is it a blueprint for something that is that could, that could be anywhere, or is there something specific to the police force in Ely that would have led to this scenario? We, we have no idea. Mark? Uh, I think, yeah, I think the front page story was the fact the riot happened. But that's, that's, that's not this. That's not what's being pitched. Okay. Liz, why don't you go next? What do you do? The measure of misogyny? Yeah. So um, I've kind of done the thing which never works for anyone in the news meeting. So I know I'm starting with a challenge in that I've taken two stories that are nearly stories and mushed them together and hope I come out with one. Let's see how this goes. Um there's been a set of proposals uh, published this week by the Law Commission as part of a quite a long and arduous ongoing process in which they're looking into how to change the use of evidence in rape and serious sexual assault trials. The hypothesis being, and actually lots of people have said for, for some years, that the way that evidence is presented in these trials is part of the reason why the prosecution rate is, is, is falling so dramatically. And in this publication that came out this week, um, there is the following statement relating to a thing the Law Commission calls rape myths. It says the academic research shows some individuals hold misconceptions about sexual harm in relation to the credibility, behaviour and experience of victims, but it is unclear how extensive such misconceptions are. Happily, this week, well, happily this week, uh, it, it means to say that people think... Uh, 
there's a victim blaming uh, element to the way oh, that trials play out, but we don't know how many people buy into that myth. Happily this week also, YouGov data was released that found um, it answered that question. It, it kind of put, it, it put a measure on how widespread those misconceptions are. In that, it found that one in four British men aged between eighteen and twenty nine agree with Andrew Tate um, in how women should be treated, and specifically uh, that a woman it is it can be a woman's fault if she is raped. So we know how many people think that three point five million actually is a read across. That's what that would be. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that the Law Society... The Law Commission, yeah. Sorry, the Law Commission is in a, is explaining or validating? What they've done is that they've published a set of proposals. The proposals themselves are very interesting. They're going out now to public consultation that, that suggests how evidence could be handled differently in these rape and serious sexual assault cases in court. And I'll, and I'll go through some of them because I think some of the proposals are, are really interesting. Um, for example, things you might anticipate and that we've heard a little bit about is about raising the threshold required to request access to things like counselling and mental health therapy records to use as part of understanding a victim's motivation. Other sort of more newer things I haven't seen before um, are the need to get a judge's permission if you want to question a victim about her compensation claim. And that's getting at the myth of you've made this up because you're after the money. That's what that's trying to address. Um, the automatic right to give evidence in private, which doesn't exist currently. Mm. Um, and this one is the one that sort of slightly, I, I did a, an eyebrow raise on, and the, the possibility of pre-approving lines of questioning from a defence barrister, where the judge would have to say, these are the lines of questioning that you can go for and these ones you can't. And Liz, is this the Law Commission's response to the very, very low conviction rates for rape? Exactly, yeah. Um, and sexual offences, in, including and rape. And do, do you think those four examples that you gave mm. would make a material difference to that conviction rate? Well, that's the great unanswerable, isn't it? Um, there have been lots of changes made. In fact, there was another uh, piece published last week that the police are now barred from asking for therapy records um, and healthcare school records and things like that in cases where a, a, a person has come forward to report rape. So elements of the criminal justice system are already trying to do this. There have been the changes in digital forensics and things. Whether these specific things, once a case is in the court, would make a difference... Who knows? And what do you think about Liz's kind of, I'm saying story in inverted commas, because it's not really a story. It's mm -hmm. a, if you're interested in this issue, this is an important process moment. And what do you think of process moments generally as news stories? I think it is a, it's a problem as a news story because I don't know, I don't, I don't know what, when it's going to mean something. At the moment, it's it's a it's proposals that may or may not yeah, eventually you're, you're, be turned into law. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right because it's it's <clears> the start <throat> of a public consultation. Closes in September. Final recommendations come in 2024. So you're absolutely right about the the point in a process. The reason why the YouGov statistic is is important is because, to my mind, one in four men in this country aged 18 to 29 are entirely sympathetic with Andrew Tate's view that it can be a woman's fault if, the, if she is raped. That, to me, is an absolute jaw-dropper. But, but I think if I was pulling a thread of the story that you suggested, I just pulled one, mm. it would be the idea that the judge could pre-agree a line of questioning with yeah. the defence barrister. Right. And I could see the arguments on both sides. I could see the argument that said, this is a vulnerable person. You need to make sure that the court itself is not an intimidating environment. And on the other hand, you're saying, well, how can justice be done 
if before the hearing begins, in effect, the judge has taken sides, has looked out for the interests of the defendant and not for the person that is being prosecuted. I really agree. And it's why I wanted to come and sort of talk about it, because there is a strand in, in modern feminism that is called sort of believe women. Yeah. And, it, and it's something, as you know, I'm a card carrying feminist, but it's something that I do find quite difficult because, of course, overwhelmingly, instances of false reporting are vanishingly small and and overrepresented to your point Keith the mirror image of the police we don't hear about the good stuff we hear about the bad stuff we we only ever hear about the, the, the you know but we did come across this list when when Keith and I were working on the Rotherham and Rochdale child yeah. sex grooming story one of the things that was inc- absolutely shocking was the amount of time that young people uh, some of them you know um, I'm not going to quote their ages, but but young people were being asked in court to give evidence over a period of many, many days, which was obviously a really brutalizing experience. And at the time, I remember us having this conversation saying, well, there must be certain protections in place. Mm. What you're talking about to an extent is is the sort of psychological extension of that. Yes, I think that's I think that's right. And and I think when it comes down to it, we need, of course, we need the court system to work. It isn't working at the moment. So great that the, that the people are really thinking about what is fair and what is reasonable. There's a worry and my anxiety about believe women as a, as a strand is that you end up in a world which it, 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 it's a gift to the, those who will go who will knee jerk against you anyway and say you can't change the rules you can't how could you possibly pre agree that's not fair for the defendant so I I, I think that this a uh, a complicated and nuanced thing which is why I want the the, the media the news to wholesomely to get, get hold of it and not to have to dig around in the Telegraph website after three or four different searches to go and find the story. Mark, what do you think? Um, so I, I started looking at this uh, yesterday when, when I knew Liz was going to talk about it. And one of the things I thought was interesting was there are some voices within like the Criminal Bar Association who are concerned about the, the, the influence that quite a lot of non-legal practitioners are having on these proposals and the development of them. And it kind of throws into question, well, who, who gets a say in this and who, who should be influencing it? Can it lead? Some of those reforms are quite startling, I think. So potentially, yeah. Keith? I think it has the, the, the problem that we used to often experience uh, when I was at the Times, which is stories that would come about a cure that had been, or a cure or a treatment that had been found for a very serious illness, but that turned out to be uh, you know, five years away from actually even being tested on anybody. Mm. And I think that's the problem I have with it, although I do take... There's this point that, you know, this it needs to be considered. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mark, I think we've got a sense of what your story might be. <laughs> but go so, again, this is something that I don't think gets tried very often in the news meeting, but a, a, a famous and handsome editor once told me the story about another famous editor who said that when they were reporting about the 1960s, they spent all their time talking about Harold Wilson when they should have been writing about the Beatles. Correct. So using that principle, nice uh, <laughs> my story is about the death of the rock and soul star international music legend, uh, Tina Turner, who has just died at the age of 83 after uh, a long illness. And the reason that I'm pitching this um, is she, you know, musically regarded as one of the finest singers of our time. It's a six-decade uh, six career. It was a career that was affected throughout, you know, uh, by issues of race, gender, age, domestic violence. And we're also at a time when we are losing that generation of legendary, globally famous artists who cut across genres, demographics, age groups, the works. So that's why I'm pitching it. Um, the brief kind of uh, uh, biography, so she's born in 39, in the late 50s, she meets Ike Turner uh, as a 16, 17-year-old uh, young woman who becomes a dancer and backing vocalist and then one day a chance absence in a recording session from the lead vocalist means Tina steps forward sings the song and that's their first hit the Ike and Tina Turner review um, he famously is a piece of work he is a controlling uh, aggressive abusive uh, partner he even trademarks her name so that if she ever gets fired or replaced he can just parachute in another Tina Turner um, right from the outset he's uh, they have this this incredibly toxic relationship and after performing together for a, the best part of two decades she eventually walks out or escapes with 38 cents in her pocket and 40 years old and effectively has to start again so that cuts through to 1980 let's say 1983 she's 45 years old she's an African-American woman it's a year after Madonna's released her debut album and Tina Turner hits the world with Private Dancer um, and the song What's Love Got To Do With It, which sits in the top 10 in the American charts for 10 months at a time when chart position meant hefty, chunky album sales. We're talking 10 million albums in a year. I think she's significant because she bridged the gap at a time in the 60s and 70s where they were, you had the sort of the black uh, African-American vocal sound being mixed with the more pop sensibility of like the British invasion. Mike and Tina, for all his faults, they were at the forefront of combining music and movement. Without Tina Turner, there's no Rolling Stones because Mick Jagger famously modelled all his live performances on Tina Turner's dance moves. Mick Jagger is and Mick there's Jagger. No, there's, there's no resurgence of Tina Turner without Mick Jagger, didn't he? Yeah, it? yeah. So and, and David yeah, Bowie, and look, this this is where the resurgence. Bowie, yeah, yeah. So so lots of people sort of stepped in and realised that she was you know a good singer and worth another shot. Um, and then she comes to dominate the eighties. She comes to dominate the eighties with names like Michael Jackson and Phil Collins. She's one of those international artists. And then in the midst of all that, in the midst of all the record breaking 
tours and albums that are so frequent to the point they stop being commented upon, she releases this book which tells the story of the abusive relationship with Ike Turner. And it's the first time uh, a woman with such a global platform talks about something which people didn't talk about at that point. And if you could effectively trace back the beginning of the Me Too movement back to that point where she tells that story. Um, And, yeah, so that's... what do you think? Well, I think that was a brilliant account of her life, except it omits... One of the most important things I think about Tina Turner, which was sex. She was the embodiment of a type of sexiness that people hadn't seen uh, at the time. There's a scene in a film called Gimme Shelter, which is actually about the Rolling Stones at Altamont, where she was a supporter act, where she gives a a practically obscene performance uh, (laughs) using the microphone. Um, And it it caused an enormous stir at the time. Um, and I think that that is it's a very important component of her appeal is that she just looked extraordinary. And I think you and I were just saying earlier on when she appeared in the, the Mad Max film mm. Beyond the Th- Thunderdome, she just looked incredible. I mean, she she was she looked she's you know, you, you look at pictures of her now. She's one still of the enduring images of the wonderful. 1980s. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, I I'm sad for Tina Turner fans and I'm sorry that she was poorly but I um, no not for me and the reason no not for me um, is because people die all the time Um, we've had um, you know we're at the distance from the 50s and 60s where there's a lot of people who have had that career who became famous in that kind of time who will be dying and um, if Martin Amos doesn't make the front cover then I don't see why Tina Turner should. So let, let, let's let's just hold on Tina Turner for a second. When should people lead the news when they die? What, what, what is your principle that, that, that she's old, 83 I think, so therefore you expect people of a certain age to die? No, not at all, not at all. I, I, it, when David it, Bowie died, did you think that leads for you? No, not a, not a front page news story. It's what the obituaries are for. What do you think? Oh no! As you know, I would definitely <laughs> lead on David Barry, and indeed, I, I, I think Tina Turner just about makes the grade. Keith and I were at a dinner once where we were there with kind of a lot of quite grand people. Uh, I was sitting next to the governor of the Bank of England, and Michael Jackson died, and we all got up and just left. And he looked at us like, "Where are you going? Why is that important? Why does the Times need to report?" And we're like, "No, no." Michael Jackson will be page one and the following nine pages. And I, I, listening to Mark, having felt a little bit like you when I first heard the news that she had died, I confess that since then I've devoured stories about her and what happened. And in particular, I suppose in particular, Mark, I think there is a massive story here about a woman who was not just abused, but but very violently abused, you know, broken jaw, you know, she, it, she emerges with that 30 plus cents in her pocket with blood all over her dress in the middle, in the middle of a tour. And Ike Turner is saying, you know, can you get back on stage? And this story about how she once performed with a broken jaw. I mean, all of this stuff is extraordinary. So I'm surprised, Liz, that all of that story doesn't make you think, yeah, this is a, this is a story she's, of... She was a, 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 an extraordinary woman. She had an amazing 
life. She was certainly very brave. All the things you say are right, but I, I just think that's what an obituary is for. Aretha Franklin wasn't didn't didn't go on the front page when she died. I, I, so I, 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 I don't yeah. see how you. She did. I don't get it. <laughs> she did. I think, yeah. and the only other thing I would add is that you know, so during the sixties, and well, particularly during the sixties, she found herself kind of a victim of the growing civil rights movement because that mu- the the the, the African American audience didn't consider her music black enough, and the white radio stations wouldn't play her music mm. because she was considered an R and B artist and not white pop. So I think you know there's a whole commentary piece there as well. Well, I, I just th- I think it's worth thinking about what news is because I think the reason that, that I, I can declare my hand that I think Mark wins today is because news is what everybody's talking about, and I think if you are, if you ask people this week what the, what the most notable thing that they saw was, they're going to say. No, but all the news is tension between what everyone's talking about and what matters. So, for example, I think the whole Swella Braverman story this week about, you know, what Speedy Sue did or didn't do with her officials in terms of getting off points, that is... That, that everyone may be in Westminster talking about that, but that does not matter. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter to me. I mean, there are lots of things that she does that do matter to me, but not that. So I think that's the tension between what's interesting and what's it, what's important. Yeah. Well, well I, I do think Tina Turner Both. was important in a way. Although she, she, I think this is entirely right. She does not belong quite, I don't think, to the very top tier of the artists who warrant this. Well, those are the stories. In a moment, I need to decide the running order. But before we do that, I'm going to ask each of you which story you'd choose to lead the news. And remember, you can't choose your own. Liz, what would you choose to lead the week this week? I would like to say that Tina Turner would choose my story. Yes. She cares about women. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> not her. Nice playing in the end of Tina Turner there. <laughs> um, uh, so ac- categorically not Tina Turner. Sorry, Mark. And sorry, Tina, um, which means there's only Keith left. So it's, and the, what is so it's the bouncy castle. Still, it's still not unclear. the bouncy castle. Story. It's the bouncy it's castle. Cardiff. I told you it was a bit. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess something, something about Ely and uh, this would not be the first time that a journalist had come and the real story was in paragraph three. <laughs> so I think we're going to take Cardiff, put it at the top, and take your bouncy castle and put it paragraph nine to eleven. Um, but so you would go with Cardiff, Mark, Liz's, and in particular, what is Liz's story? Uh, significant reforms to. An area of law which doesn't seem to be working at the moment and needs to. Keith, what's your choice? I think it has to be Tina because I do think it's um, it's the most dramatic and interesting thing that I've heard recently. And um, as I said before, I think Liz's story is just a bit too far from reality, or, or becoming reality is what I mean, uh, to be leading the news. All right. I Well, let me have a go at this. I think that it's really an interesting one this week because... There are two stories which are actually different forms of news but not news stories. So yours really, Keith, is an opinion piece. Yours is a piece that says, let me just show you a series of data points, facts, moments, put them together, what you're getting is an unfair representation of an important institution and we need to call that out. But I'm not sure that the riots in Ely do that. And I'm not exactly sure that the bouncy castles do that either. But I do understand what you're saying, which is how does the news balance events and reports that portray the police in a certain way and then completely eclipse the work that the police does and the need for public trust? Nonetheless, I think that runs third. I really, really am tempted to, to run um, uh, Liz's story 
first because I think that if you pull that thread and in particularly that fourth point about judges um, directing uh, the defence lawyer uh, to certain lines of questioning and not others, what you are really forcing is a much more thoughtful discussion about the you know, seemingly stubborn or very stubborn problem of low conviction rates here around uh, rape and sexual offences. But I do think it's a process moment. And so for that reason, I run it second. And when Mark said at the beginning, in effect, I'm doing Tina Turner, I thought, well, that's great. That's, you know, third. That's a picture. But actually listening to him and thinking about the capacity of the news to inspire us and to also help us understand where we've come from to understand change over time, actually her death, as well as being something emotional, I think is something significant. And it does make us understand something different about uh, about music, obviously, about fame and power, obviously, but most importantly, about uh, violence and, you know, personal strength. And there's a lot to be said for a new story that can do that. So for this week, Tina Turner, proposed changes to the law and Cardiff. That's our running order for this week. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Liz. And thank you most of all for listening. Join me next week. I'm going to be joined by three more journalists who are all going to be trying to convince me that they have the story that should lead the news that matters most. Do join us next week at the news meeting. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.